I'm Carol Joy Scythe, and welcome to the Homeschool Made Simple podcast. You're listening to episode 125. This is a podcast to help you homeschool simply, inexpensively, and enjoyably. Well, once again, I'm sitting with my beloved Rachel, my assistant, and we are going to be sharing a topic that Rachel and I have been talking about a great deal lately uh, because of the feedback and the things that come across our path. And we thought that this is maybe a subject that needs to be of general interest for our listening audience. So welcome again, Miss Rachel. Thank you. Thank you. So why don't you open us up today and tell us what's on your mind and what you're hearing? What's the word on the streets? <laughs> yeah. Well, I think in your seminars, you talk about the three-legged stool and that being... Which is? Work, service, and then and study as well. So you always say the people who are unhappy homeschooling are the people who are sitting on a one-legged stool. So the people who are just studying, studying, studying. <laughs> Filling in workbook pages after workbook pages. Yes. Yeah. And, um, you know, really the promise of this podcast is that we make homeschooling simple, you know? Yeah. And so what's happening when homeschooling gets complicated and burdensome? Because it doesn't take long to look around at some homeschooling moms and they're frazzled and burnt out and exhausted. And bankrupt. And, yeah, and bankrupt because they've spent so much money and energy and all these things because they want to give their children an amazing education. But it's getting really complicated. And so, um, yeah, it's just our heart to keep it simple here. Yes. But how does that happen, I think, is the question. Yeah. So what do you think as you, as you're talking to families, what do you think, what are the ditches that families are falling into? How are they getting off the track? Well, I thought of about three things, I guess, that you say that are kind of maybe counterintuitive or countercultural, maybe okay. like that you talk about, we're not doing school at home. Oh, that's a good one. <laughs> so <laughs> We're not trying to replicate a classroom at home, you know, and homeschooling communities will kind of replicate a school environment. Um, I guess in a co-op or something, they'll kind of replicate a school. And, um, you know, I heard you for several years speaking about, we're not trying to do school at home. But then I read John Holt's How Children Fail, I think it was. And that opened my eyes to really, what are the failings of school? Mm. Not just, we're trying to, we don't want our children to go to public school or, you know, be exposed to certain ideologies or be confined to a classroom, but really school in and of itself and that way of teaching yes. is really detrimental to children's learning. So how the classroom model fails. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and the so, limitations that it brings because of the number of students to the ratio of educators. Mm -hmm. Why would we try and duplicate that? They want to duplicate what we have at our dining room table. Mm -hmm. okay. Yeah, so Going. just that we are doing something totally unique. Yeah. And then really that kind of leads into the other thing I thought of was that really we're wanting to have the freedom to customize 
an education. And so when you start to recreate a school or you um, start to just get into all these complications with homeschooling, then it really keeps you from having that freedom because now you have to go with someone else's schedule and then it per puts a strain on the children and yourself, you know, because you have to keep up, you have to keep up um, rather than just having that freedom and the flexibility that really allows us to take that deep breath of like exhale and relax into homeschooling that we have freedom, you know? Yes. Yes. Because then you're marching to someone else's drama. You're under their schedule. You're under their expectations. Um, you're even, you're even overseeing other people's homework assignments, which anyone whose child has been in school will tell you is the part where you just want to die because you don't know this assignment. It's nothing you're even, you know, invested in or even think is worthwhile. And you're, it's, it's like being in, in a chain gang when you're having to supervise another teacher's homework assignments that is when most parents say, sign me up for homeschool. <laughs> but then very often after they've been in homeschool, they put themselves right back in that situation. Yeah. Yes. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and I think that's why it was helpful to read John Holt's book because it was like so many of the things that are done in school to test children's um, abilities or their knowledge are pretty arbitrary. Yes. And I mean, especially in homeschooling, you've talked about just how you're right there. You can see, you know, you can see whether they're reading the book. You don't need to do a worksheet or a test on it. You can see the visible evidence of it and you watch them or you've read the book to them yourself. Mm -hmm. So you, you don't need those things because so many of the things that are implemented in school are implemented because of what you said, you know, crowd control or just the limitations of the teacher that she can't possibly, you know, she needs help in governing over all those different children and the varying levels of skill or ability or even discipline that yes. they're coming from different homes and everything. Yes. So, so many of the things in school are just there to help the teacher, you know, measure the student, but they're not necessarily very effective. Yeah. Or applicable to homeschooling. Yeah. Yeah. Because this is a tutorial method. It's not a classroom model. And so anytime that we are importing that other model, we're missing the benefit. And I like to say it's like having a Rolls Royce in your garage, but you insist on driving a Ford Pinto with four flat tires and a broken windshield. And it's like, but everyone else is driving a Ford Pinto with four flat tires. Well, yeah, because they don't have a Rolls Royce. You do. Why would you try and duplicate their very, you know, mediocre model, mm -hmm. which they have no choice. They're doing the best they can in that model, but mm -hmm. you don't have to be, you don't have to play in that field. Yeah. Yeah. And then the uh, third thing I thought of that makes it, starts getting things complicated yes. is um, the just kind of, not things not being in an orderly sequence or not waiting on readiness. And so starting things prematurely, you know, you talk about Piaget's theory and 
integrated maturity level, wow. right? Yeah. Yeah. And so, you know, just that that really sets it apart of that we're sequencing history based on concrete thinking and then we're waiting for them to be ready. So we don't have to spend tires again on busy work or things that we can do something different for those early years when, and we can do something that's really conducive to their development. Yes. Yeah, absolutely. When I was a ballet student in my college years, my favorite part of class was the work we did at the bar. I couldn't get enough of the fundamentals of ballet. I learned something new each time I did my plies. I feel the same way about a seminar that I wrote many years ago called A Literature-Based Approach to Education. That's where it all began. This information is the basis for everything I teach. Without it, you'll be frustrated and confused. It is truly fundamental. On September 17th, I'm teaching that seminar in a live all-day event in Dallas, Texas. That day, you'll receive 11 pages of my book lists that will be yours forever. At the end of the day, we'll have a live panel discussion with families that are using my methods who will be available to answer your questions. Bring your friends, relatives, spouses, and teens. It's so lovely being in a room of excited kindred spirit families. I will have loads of hand-picked books available that day for purchase. To register, please go to caroljoyside.com forward slash upcoming dash seminar. Early bird registration ends September 7th. Now back to the show. So where do you see families getting off the track? I mean, so the hybrid model is basically, um, it's, it's not compatible with what I teach. So what we're hearing on, on the street is families that are not, um, they're not feeling successful or they're not feeling like they're in a custom suit. It's because they're taking my model and they're doing what would you say? Yeah, I think they're kind of just using the book list but not really taking the whole approach because they still want to be a part of a group, I guess. Or, you know, I think a lot of parents just maybe feel inadequate of, it is pretty overwhelming. You know, I was in, I was homeschooled for two years in my life in sixth and seventh grade. And I don't know that it really had academic benefit, but it definitely had social benefit for me. But otherwise I was in school. And so for me, that was what gave the routine of life. And so really, I feel like I'm starting this whole new world of just, mm-hmm. you know, how do I cultivate a routine in my home? And how do I really take care of my home? Like there's just a lot of opportunities to feel inadequate or like I'm in over my head. I don't yeah. know what I'm doing. Yes. And then you add in the, and now I'm going to educate my children <laughs> piece right. to it of just, right. oh yeah, no problem. 
I'll just give them an education. And so I think to just make, to cover bases, we want to make sure that, okay, well, at least, you know, somebody else will help me do this and, you know, can kind of. Um, it, it gives us a security blanket. Yeah. But it backfires. Right. Mm -hmm. Yeah, because I think then we end up being like, like it's like those weighted blankets. And then if you get something that weighs a little too much, it starts to suffocate you. <laughs> That's a good analogy. That's a really good analogy. Well, one, one thing that I hear from a lot of families who've been very unhappy with a certain kind of hybrid model, I won't name names, but um, a lot of families quitting that model and they're kind of you know jumping off of that ship. And what they say to me is, I say, well, why, why did you, why are you doing this in the first place? And they say, they always answer the same thing. Can you guess what it is? No. Okay. They always answer. We were looking for community. Yes. We're looking for community. And I kind of feel like that's like paying someone to be your boyfriend. It's <laughs> like, <laughs> it's like, well, if you're looking for community, create community don't spend thousands of dollars a year for your child to be tortured so that then you can have a community so the easiest and the simplest way to create community is just to invite three or four homeschool families to do a park day one afternoon a week like that costs no money no one's house is getting dirty you don't have to you know prepare for it serve create show up all you do is just be there. The moms hang out and get support, which is what they're looking for. The children show up and all they get to do is just play. No one's telling them not to talk, which is what you do at every co-op. Don't talk. I can remember my son in the back seat laughing about it with his friends as we'd be driving back. How these um, frustrated school teachers are now teaching our children because we think that we're not qualified to do it and they spend the whole time, we're, we're sending our kids there for socialization, we think. And the teachers, they don't want our children to socialize. They are there to have a classroom model with our children. And, and our kids are like, but we came here to have friends. And it's like, well, that ain't going to happen. And so I remember driving kids home in the back of the car and they were laughing about Mrs. So-and-so and, you know, don't talk, don't touch, don't do this, don't do that. And they're like rolling their eyes that's the only reason they're going there and spending all this money and driving an hour to be there you know what i mean it's so it's so we have to begin with the end in mind the end is i need a community for my children to grow up in hopefully you attend a church that is a lot of homeschool families that's the natural community that's like having an extended family of nieces and nephews and aunties and uncles that are sharing your philosophy. And that's why so often, Rachel, when I'm coming to an area, regional area like the Southwest or Southern Cal or wherever, I'll say to my families, now get all of your friends and, and plan this as a group event because they're feeling like, well, my friends are all doing these other things and they're unhappy and blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, okay, this is your opportunity to get all your friends on the same page with you so then when you're doing life 
they're using the same rhythms and methods that you're using. And that way they hear it from someone besides you. They're so sick and tired of hearing you, you know, preach this, this gospel. But um, if they could hear it from, from someone else, it would be really helpful. And so create community intentionally. If you want community, don't do 20 other things hoping you're going to get community. So every Saturday or Sunday, say to a homeschool family or two, let's have a barbecue in the park. Let's all just bring food and usually they're grills and parks or just stop and get Chipotle or whatever. It doesn't even have to be that complicated. Maybe just get fast food and bring it and meet in a park. And the parents just get to sit and, and the kids play and, you know, catch fireflies and they're just free and they're bonding and they're in a really safe environment. And you as parents are getting to be really close with each other. And you're like, this is a kindred spirit family. They share our values. I know that if my child were to do an overnight there someday, that they're not going to show them a slasher movie or they're not going to feed them hostess Twinkies for breakfast. Like we, you know, whatever it is, whatever our values are that we care about, getting to know these other families and doing life with them that's how children get close. They don't get close in a classroom. They get close when families are friends and they take trips together, they go camping together, they fish or they go to each other's houses for fun nights, game nights, you know, sport nights. And so be intentional about community, but don't pay someone to be your boyfriend. That is just fake and empty and um, you're going to come home with like ashes in your mouth from a date under those conditions. Yeah. So, yeah. And I think too, of just the power of service to bond people together of if you are serving with other people, if that, that's something I've, you know, I think it's probably the weak point of anybody's education is really instilling service and making yes. that a priority. Yes. But I think if, you know, if I find things to do for my children, our, our family, and then even invite one other family to participate in that with us yes, and get connected with our actual local community, and you know, I just think we kind of can get so peer dependent that then we are not really thinking about what we're really going for. Mm -hmm. And we want to have community. We want to have friends and people in our lives who are really meaningfully involved. And, you know, if you have family around, I have family around. So my family is so much of my community, but then also my church, but I don't really have, you know, people in necessarily the same stage of life, but that doesn't mean that we don't have community because they still have, you know, people that they see as aunts and uncles. That's right. Friends. Grandparents. Yeah. And so right. then that if the church is doing something, we're there. Mm -hmm. And then how can we make that an extension within our local place, you know? And so then I just think if we could just think outside the box a little bit, because when we're in that school model, we're so used to being with our peers and that yeah. if I'm not with my peers, then I yeah. don't feel that security that we don't have to be with the people that are our age. That's right. You really that's have. That's a good point, Rachel. Thank you for sharing that. 
because I see this with my grandchildren. They walk into church and they're like hitting the teenagers and, the, and, and everybody knows their name. And it's because they're not isolated and insulated because they're being raised in community with other homeschool families. And the teenagers love the little kids and the little kids look up to the teenagers. And it's so sweet. And all the parents know that children that aren't you know, necessarily their age group, you know, the parents of the older kids still know the little kids and their names and everyone's running up and hugging each other. And it's just precious because this is the family of God. As Salty taught us, welcome to the family, right? And that's what we're trying to model here. And we don't need to spend money to get this. It's in the four walls of our church. Mm -hmm. And our neighborhoods. I mean, talk about service opportunities. Neighborhoods are full of service opportunities. There's always elderly people. There are widows. There's single moms. There's so many needs. Um, right now in, in my community, a young man, his girlfriend just broke up with him. They have a child together. And we're all taking care of him. We're taking him to our family meal tonight for our small group. He, he just texted me. I'm so grateful for community. Thank you for loving me. See, when you raise children and they're just participating in your life and how you care for people. We have a halfway house um, here in Guthrie that we're so excited about as a small group called Hope House. And we invited some of the leadership from Hope House to come to our small group the other night at my house. And now we're inviting them to come to our family meal tonight. And, and then see, you go over there and you say, okay, how can we help? Well, we need help. Let's redecorate some of these rooms or let's make quilts for the beds. Or um, how about if you bring a meal for everybody, make some lasagnas and bring them over or like, and your children are participating and they become friends. I see um, my son as a pastor um, has such a heart for the poor and <clears throat> excuse me, he has a <clears throat> precious, precious African-American barber. And um, interestingly, they have the exact same name. It's so fun. And so his barber, um, sadly, was in prison recently. And it's a long story. He was being attacked by a family member. He defended himself. And he actually was sent to prison. It was ridiculous. But JJ, my JJ, went and picked him up when he got out, put him in a hotel, got him a place to stay, and has been bringing him to church every Sunday. And I see my granddaughter, when JJ walks in, this big African-American man who's had strokes and he has a big cane, you know, a tripod cane. And my little 13 year old runs to the door of the church when my son and JJ walk in and hugs this man and loves him and cares about him. And it's like, when you have a heart of ministry, your children will naturally participate in what you do. So when JJ drive, my JJ drives the other JJ home after church, he always takes his kids, several of the kids with him in the car. And they're building a relationship with this man. And this man also came to small group. Um, and my granddaughter was here and she was so excited when he walked in. She didn't know he was coming. And so you build these relationships with people and your children will benefit from the life of service that you lead. Yeah. Yeah. So I really think the secret is really remembering that it's multifaceted education is multifaceted that we don't just want it to be study which is what a lot of co-ops provide but then if you're putting so much emphasis on the study then it's to the neglect of work 
and service. And so we want to make sure that we have time and energy to include all of those things and then build a community into all those things and not limit our mindset about what a community looks like. Yes. You know, and then I think that will really keep it simple. That's so good, Rachel. And, you know, as kids get older and you, you might want to farm them out for high level lab science or um, a foreign language, you know, there are times for that, but farming little bitty kids out for things that you can better teach in your home is really missing the blessing of the student teacher ratio and the opportunities that you have to customize their education in your home and you can do it in your pjs on a snowy day you know you don't have to get everybody ready and dressed and pack the lunch and pay the money and and then you have to teach or serve or do whatever who needs all that aggravation again to have friends like are you really that hard up for friends no you're not there are people that really want to be your friends and being intentional and honest. Like I remember when we moved from California to the Midwest, um, it was a big deal for, for my son because he'd played outside 365 days of the year. We had an amazing community down at the beach and in our church, and it was a big, big shift for him. And so I went to a support group one night that someone invited me to a homeschool support group. And then we got a little um, like directory of the other families. And I came home and I shamelessly called another mother that had a son that was, I think, eight or whatever he was, like JJ. And I was just honest. I said, hi, you know, I, I was at the meeting the other night, really enjoyed meeting you. And I see that you have an eight-year-old son and my son needs a friend. I wasn't, you know, panty-wasting around about this. It's like, be honest. And then, and she had, you know, a fairly large family. And I said, and I will be happy to do all the driving. I will pick Taylor up. I will bring him home, blah, blah, blah. And, and that's how we started building, you know, friendships for my son. Sometimes you just have to be intentional and transparent with people. Don't be coy. You know, there's a lot of this. Oh yeah, we'll have to hang out. Someday. Oh yeah. Uh-huh. And then no, just say like in um, what's the Jimmy Stewart movie um, in Harvey, you know, the, the white, the white rabbit movie. He's like, so he'd say to people, Oh yes, we must get together. And then Jimmy Stewart playing uh, the star of the movie would say, when, when, <laughs> you know, and we have to kind of do that. Like uh, what about Thursday? You know, <laughs> so, and, and, and don't be afraid to host. And oh, my house isn't perfect and our, and our couch has a big stain on it and there's a, a hole in the rug. Who cares? People are so excited to be invited into a home instead of a public place. And you know, if you give them, they like, like my son's mother-in-law so beautifully says, she would rather eat a peanut butter sandwich made by someone else than filet mignon made by herself. Like it is just such a great line and it's true. People are so thrilled for you to just give them something simple and invite them into your home. And we make it all Laura Ashley-ish. You know, it's got to be this beautiful setting. People don't care about that. They're they're, if you're lonely, they're lonely. And just be a friend. Solomon said, to have friends, you must show yourself friendly. And so create community and be a gatherer. And you'll never have a lonely day in your life. All right. Well, thank you, Miss Rachel. 
And thank you to our listeners for joining us this week on the Homeschool Made Simple podcast. I have a special request for you. Would you mind sending a Homeschool Made Simple episode to a friend, any episode? I love to help families homeschool simply, inexpensively, and enjoyably. When you help me get the word out about what I'm doing here, I appreciate it so much. Until next time, remember, Jesus' commandments are not burdensome. What he calls you to do, he will enable you to do. Blessings.